Listen to the sounds of an audio train wreck. The all-new Roto, presented in 3D sound. Get your red and blue headphones today. What? I know we used to release in mono, but I think we put out in stereo now. Er, well, yes. But it's recorded in stereophonic amphiphomorphic 3D. No, it isn't. Um, it could be. No, it couldn't. That kind of technology doesn't even exist yet. Trust me, if it did, Menenge or Morris would be rocking it already. Oh, um, well, yeah? <clears throat> if the technology existed today, this podcast would be brought to you in 27-point stereophonic high-def amphiphomorphic 3D sound. Oh, fuck off. I'm sorry. Roto. Podcasting Twisted for Tan Stranger Things.tv's Earl Newton. Comedy. It's what we do. Enjoy. If you're hearing this, it's because we've defied the odds. It means we've made it out alive. Now, I know you're thinking that it has something to do with breaching episode 50. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that this is like the fifth year anniversary we're going to be going off into our sixth year of podcasting yes no you know what this is about this is about a show that will not be fucking recorded literally when we were saying it's our 50th anniversary we don't mean the 50th anniversary of the show although it is this is the 50th time we've tried to record this son of a bitch all right let's let's give the listeners a little history so of the last 10 minutes <laughs> oh no 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 i'm going further back than that Oh, my God. Okay. Now, I know you've heard this so far, Earl, because we did it in the first time we tried to record this episode. Yes. What, <laughs> what I'm talking about is, uh, let's hear. First of all, you're a really busy guy. So being able to actually uh, get you down to, to record is tough because for the longest time, for about the past six or seven months, I've only had one day to be able to record, and that was Thursdays because I was working two jobs. Now, fortunately, yes. I was... Let go from one of those jobs because, well, it wasn't anything against what I was doing. It was just that, hey, they, they, they got a full-time person. They need to give that person hours so they take away from the one part-time guy. All right, fair so, enough. So basically, you, like everyone else, is blaming Bush for your problems. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I couldn't get the show recorded because George Bush is a dumbass. Exactly. I'm you know, I, kn- I know I've got all these problems in all these other countries and stuff. But I know there's just one guy who works at a Japanese steakhouse. I'm all fuck with him a little bit. <laughs> exactly right. So it was only um, because he thought Reckoning of the Outcast was some sort of terrorist organization. That's all. That's yeah, why. more than likely, the the Outcasts are clearly the Al Qaeda of podcasting. Exactly, um, yeah, Requiem of the Alquast. I'm with you. <laughs> so, okay. So first of all, we have very limited days that we can record. Um, then. We have everything scheduled. We're going to record. Now, three months ago, when I had my apartment inspection, they said that, uh, hey, if there's anything wrong, we'll fix it. And I'm like, well, I've been here for a year, and I told you guys about it a year ago, but if you're going to fix it now, all right. So three months later, a guy shows up to fix a light switch in my kitchen. You see, this light switch is one of those ones where there's loose wiring or something where you got to kind of jiggle it for the light to stay on. Well, he comes in and he fixes it, and I know he's going to be here for a while, and so uh, he's here right when I get off work. I show up, and he fixes it. So I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, see you later, buddy. Thank you. So I go to, uh, I'm in the kitchen, 
and I go to turn that light off because I'm like, all right, it finally works. I turn it off. Now, keep in mind, this is on the far side of my kitchen. Yes. So I turn that switch off and there's no power to my living room. But I didn't realize it because it was still daylight. I didn't realize the lights were out and everything. So I go in there and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And like, why is there no power to my living room now? And so I go in and I flip that light back on. And all of a sudden, the TV comes back on, the light comes back on. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So I call the apartment complex, tell them that, look, the guy that came out here really pooched it up. So they end up sending the guy out. Well, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> he calls me and says, uh, dude, can I come back tomorrow instead? And I'm like, no, you messed up my power today. You're going to fix it. Besides that, I didn't want to go like three months without having power to my living room. No. Except for the switch <laughs> in my kitchen. So he comes in, he's working on it. And I'm like, look, dude, just. Do whatever you can, fix it, and uh, then just head out. So while he's working on it, he thinks he fixes it. So he flips the breaker back on. Now there's no power to my living room. And we're already past the, the time that Earl and I are supposed to record. So, you know, I'm just like, you know, uh, screw this. I, I've got dinner I got to go do. Dude, just fix it. And whenever you're done, leave. So apparently about four hours later... He fixes it. So I've got power to the living room and everything. But by that point in time, it's really just kind of late. And so we decide not to record. So flash forward to about two weeks later. And this is last Thursday. We're supposed to be recording. And Earl, why don't you go ahead and take over the story? Okay, so I'm at work. Uh, I'm doing some subcontracting work, doing some editing work. You know, things that uh, keep me in gas money. And uh, basically... When I thought everyone was going to be gone and I'd have the whole office to myself, nice and quiet, there was a Twitter, there was a buzz, there was a sort of rumble around the office because everyone was still there and in fact refused to leave. It was 8 or 9 o'clock and I'm still going, they're not leaving yet. And my, my they, well not my boss, but the guy who owns the office hadn't left yet. Nobody had left. We're sitting there going, what is okay so basically it was just like a huge snafu it was a huge delay nothing happened so we finally decide to record today let's hear i i reformatted my laptop earlier today and so it took me a while to kind of get everything set back up and apparently as we're recording i'm using pamela which is a software for capturing uh skype conversations on the pc and everything seems to be going good. It says we've got 50 minutes of recording. Now, keep in mind, we've probably dropped the conversation about four or five times already because of network problems. So we're recording. Everything seems to be going good. And then all of a sudden, the conversation just stops. Not for usual reasons, like Earl and I just you know getting bored with what we're talking about. <laughs> but the uh, apparently, the connection drops. Our conversation drops. I go to check the audio out of the hour that we've recorded, there's only about 26 minutes. So we were like, oh, screw this. You know what? We're just going to start over again from scratch, which is why we may be rushing through things. It's only because we've heard it enough times that we're kind of bored with what we're going to say. Exactly. But uh, hope we're, we're going to try to branch off into different directions. And I, uh, we're really, really going to try to make this a good episode, although we're kind of a little frustrated and stuff. Now, if you want to know the irony, Rich, literally, just as you said that, you totally dropped out on me. I heard nothing of what you just <laughs> said. And in fact, interesting point, I just switched to Audio to Hijack Pro, mm -hmm. and I haven't been recording this whole time. Are you serious? Not at all. But didn't your heart just skip a beat for a minute there? Wasn't there a flutter of fear? That means you're alive, Rich. 
Yes. This has been your wow. Thank your you. Public service announcement. Thank you, Chuck Palahannik, the guy who wrote Choke and quite a few other things. Exactly. Thank you. Right. And incidentally, as we were talking about that, yes. I was pinged by uh, Mr. PC Herring, so <laughs> asking me if I have a second. So, um, see, I, I see, I, I call him Pachering. Pachering. Oh, I like that. Yeah, um, that's better. I actually wanted to throw something else out at you, and this is for real, and I think this is why people enjoy this. I have a Halloween party to go to this weekend, and I am uniquely uncreative when it comes to things costuming, and I really wanted to pick your brain on this, Rich. Well, I can tell you what not to do. What shouldn't I do? What should I not go as? I've already got a list of actually what I shouldn't go as, so go ahead. Oh, I like that. Don't do what this chick did at Con Carolinas this year. See, I was... Uh, it was my second time actually being a celebrity guest judge for the costume contest at a con. Uh, the first time was at Mobicon when uh, I sat next to Mr. Jim Butcher, creator of the Dresden Files, as we sang the Ask a Ninja both, theme song. And you both and sat there going, what are we doing here? <laughs> exactly. No, no, we, we, we actually had a lot of fun. Con. And throughout the weekend, um, I actually got a request from his wife to um, read Erotica as the uh, ninja from Ask a Ninja. <laughs> I still haven't done that. Boy, that. It just seems like any Ask a Ninja erotic fiction would inevitably lead to premature ejaculation. His voice just calls for that. <laughs> Don't you think? I look forward to coming before you soon. <laughs> I look forward to coming too soon. <laughs> yes. Yes. And by the way, I want to throw out a huge hello to Don and all the good folks at Mobicon. It's a fine con. I'm just teasing them. But uh, but yes, so that that's true as well. Yeah, you know what? It was my first time. It was an absolute blast. And um, They're good people. Although one of the, the most fun thing was having an ex-girlfriend trying to buy me into slave auction and then give me over to uh, one of the, the, the lovely homosexual couples that were there. And she, and she even told them to like uh, run roughshod on my ass, as her terminology was, and... Well, he was really nice to me. That's the gay mafia, Rich. That's that's what I hear. I actually named them. Did you know that? Really? A long time ago. Yes, I was. I I went to Mobicon a long time ago, and I was I was the one that went. Hey, that's the gay mafia trying to buy all the attractive young men, and so they do. So at Con Carolinas, oh eight, there was a gal that came in, and I looked at her at her slip. You looked at her slip, and I saw that she was playing the lead character from a book written by whatever this author's name was and then i looked at the entrant and i found that she had the same name as the author of the uh the book that this no. character that she was dressing as was from and it was at that point in time that kelly lockhart davy beauchamp and i realized that she was cosplaying as the main character from her book now, if you thought that was kind of cheesy, and uh, I mean, come on, let's face it, that's only some that's like Hutchins' level of, of self promotion. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the burn word on the phone for you, Mr. Hutchins. Um, they've got a bed for you. The uh, <laughs> we're gonna change those bandages, sir, in just one second. <laughs> well, so uh, her costume consisted of a light blue silk leisure jumpsuit. And a bright yellow cape. Not only did she look straight out of the 70s, but she looked like a ridiculous person straight out of the 70s. And so Kelly and I basically just started hard pimping her book so ridiculously bad it made her blush. 
And uh, I think and I hope that we really taught her a lesson. Yeah, that, that you know, when you do that, people will pimp your book. Uh, <laughs> well done, Rich. Yeah, but we did it in a really embarrassing way. <laughs> oh, okay. So it wasn't you weren't pimping it like in a good way. You were pimping it like for crap. Oh, yes. So I would not recommend dressing as a prayer leech. No, see, damn it. All right, prayer leech gets scratched. <laughs> All right, but go ahead and go with your list now that I've eliminated one of them. Okay, I only have a couple. I don't think I should go as the Joker as the nurse in The Dark Knight. Oh, Dragon Con was full of them. I bet he was. The second thing, I don't think I should go as the Joker as Heath Ledger as the cowboy in Broke Bat Mountain. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that would... No, uh, well, see, no, because he no. put... No. <laughs> so I'm sort of stuck. <laughs> well, you know, at Dragon Con, I felt that there were only two real creative Jokers. Okay. There was myself as the steampunk Joker. Okay. Very cool, yes. Uh, because I was part of the steampunk JLA that we had. Um, You're right. We had Jared as Superman. We had Alex Superman. as Batman. Um, Nuri was there as Starfire. Christopher Kitty was Catwoman. And, of course, Susan Z was... Poison Ivy. Oh, yeah. And Jason nice. Adams was, of course, the uh, Green Arrow. And we were right. all steampunk versions of the characters. Probably the only one who could sit, who could actually be in that time being Green Arrow. No kidding. Jason is a guy who, when he, he just is a classy. And he just popped online, too. Hey, let me, I'm going to see if uh, he wants to be on the show. There was one other Joker that I thought was really creative. And um, that was. The guy who looked like Paul Giamatti dressed as the Joker. <laughs> the, the guy's facial what? structure looked exactly like Paul Giamatti. It was really odd. So it was Paul Giamatti as Heath Ledger as the Joker. Did he have hair? Well, he had long hair? curly hair and stuff, but it was still the high bald spot, you know? <laughs> so it's like Paul Giamatti has a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. And decides that he wants to play the Joker in the third movie. And he sort of plays it like a Woody Allen neurotic Joker who's more concerned with his own issues, yeah. maybe. I think Paul Giamatti and uh, maybe Philip Seymour Hoffman would make really good penguins. <laughs> they wouldn't be bad. I don't think they'd be bad. I think um, they'd be very existentialist penguins. I think they'd be less concerned with taking over Gotham City as much as sort of finding out who they are. As criminals. That would be their focus, I feel. Yo, yo, yo. Keep your pimp hands strong. A good handshake creates a good first impression. Yeah. I'm crazy like a runaway Well, we've got a treat for you guys. We've got the Christiana Ellis on the show. I wasn't sure if we'd be able to get her for Roto 50. It's a big occasion, and I'm so glad you're able to be on, Christiana. Well, I'm you know, glad to be back. All right. Now, what have you been doing uh, since you were last on Roto? Well, it's been a while, so I've had a lot of, going, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I, my podcast novel, Nina Kimberly the Merciless, is being published in uh, print by Dragon Moon Press. Uh, I was nominated in two categories for the Parsec Awards this year for my audio drama Space Casey, and it won the best audio drama. 
And also at the Space Casey also won the Mark Time Award. And then I've been doing a daily podcast without missing a day since April 15th. And uh, that won the uh, Podcast Peer Award for Best Short Podcast. And I've just got a lot of uh, projects going on. I did a short story for uh, Seventh Son Obsidian. And I'm working on, uh, I'm going to be working with Phil Rossi and Will Ross to uh, edit a new short story anthology. And got a lot of stuff going on and a lot of good things happening. Oh, that's awesome. And Christian, I've got two words for you. You're welcome. Uh, okay. I mean, you didn't really do anything. I'm podcasting's Rich Siegfried with your history moment. During Prohibition, Herbert Hoover would go to the Belgian Assembly to legally drink alcohol. Hey, I'm not afraid to drink, and I plan on ending prohibition. And I'm also planning on opening talks to get some of that sweet Belgian hooch. I've been Podcasting's Rich Sigfred. Vote for me in 2008. Outcastmultimedia.com slash PRS for press. This was completely unplanned. This is awesome. And when I say unplanned, I mean I've been trying to get this guy uh, uh, for the past about four days. And uh, we've got uh, acclaimed writer of many Star Wars books, uh, also uh, various anthologies, his own book series that I can't remember, but I knew at one point in time. But it is really good. I know that. Michael A. Stackpole. Welcome to Roto, sir. Why, thank you very much. Now, it's been a while since you've been on, but uh, just like to know kind of what's been going on, you know? What, uh, you know, obviously, you've been doing really good for yourself, so tell us a little, and, and fans, a little bit about what's been going on. Boy, there's just, I mean, so much has been going on. I, you know, probably the, uh, the biggest things for, for fans of my books, my, uh, my agent and I are, are signing a contract for a, a new trilogy, a new fantasy trilogy, so that'll be coming out sometime over the next three years, and then... Uh, Probably the really coolest thing was that uh, I am the first living author to have uh, books available for the iPhone and iPod Touch. And so that was everybody else. Edgar Allan Poe was actually there before me, but he's dead. So um, he didn't have any choice in the matter. He probably Um, wasn't doing a whole lot for the iPod Touch and the iPhone originally. No, no, he he really wasn't. Uh, but I actually I worked with a developer to uh, to develop the software uh, that we use to uh, bring books out, and so um, so that's been kind of cool. I'm getting other authors lined up for that, and uh, I'm teaching an online course with Arizona State University, so in writing in genre. And uh, um, let's see. And the only other thing that I've done is uh, torn a muscle in my calf, but you know that's it happens when you play soccer. Well, Mike, uh, there's something that that I feel I need to say. Yes. And that's your welcome. Oh, so you were the guy that took out my leg. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's all your fault. Now, all the other stuff you didn't have anything to do with. You ever read comic books? I don't. I mean, what's the point with all the capes we have flying around these days? Every hero worth his salt has a cool origin story, right? Well, that's a load of crap. Maybe it happens sometimes to those headline heroes, but not the metahumans I know. Most of us, 
feel like we were gang-raped by a cosmic freight train with a twisted sense of humor. Welcome to Metamediocrity, an audio comic book written and read by Jay Lynn. Join us for our full podcast at metamediocrity.com, where you'll find lively discussion on a wide range of topics along with regular episodes of this audio comic. Okay, we've had a lot of folks on here, but we've got somebody who's, uh, you know, what I want, should I say influential in podcasting? I think that that is just, uh, that is a very weak term for what this man has done for podcasting. <laughs> I don't mean me appearing in one of the Podcasting for Dummies books. I'm talking to Mr. Evo Terra. How are you doing, sir? It's been a while since you've uh, been on Roto, and uh, I'd just like to catch up with you. What's been going on in your world, sir? Well, let's move from influential more to uh, omnipotent, uh, godlike, um, damned handsome. You know, any of those terms I think work fantastically well. So what's been going on, you ask? Well, gee, there's, uh, <laughs> that kind of uh, assumes that I know the last time I was on, Rich. But, you know, lots of things. We've, uh, we've got not only the Podcasting for Dummies book, uh, but also the Expert Podcasting Practices for Dummies book. Uh, and then T went on and decided, hey, I didn't do enough of this kind of stuff. Why, I think I should do a second edition of the podcast for Dummies book as well, since we wrote it in 2005 and everything pretty much changed. So uh, that was released out. I didn't have a whole lot to do with that book. I had other projects going on. So our good friend Chuck Tomasi from Chuck Chat stepped in and took over the majority of my chapters, although I quickly found out that Chuck doesn't know a damn thing about advertising, and so I had to write that one completely. But anyhow, that was uh, that was a big news. Um, I have been really busy on lots of stuff, working as an independent contractor these days as in my day job, helping people uh, kind of adjust to this whole idea of social and new media for some things, and also helping other customers launch new web initiatives, uh, doing some more writing for some of those. A variety of things like that. Patiobooks.com is going gangbusters, man. We we are, uh, as of this recording, at 258 free serialized audiobooks uh, that people can grab. So that's been really cool. And what I do for about four hours a day, every single day of every single week. But it's fun. Well, really, I mean, you you have truly done so much and and really changed the way that people look and read about podcasting, all I really have to say is, you're welcome. Hold on a minute here, podcasting. That's a bunch of crap. Shit, I invented the fucking word, patio books, goddammit. There's no way in hell that you have any right to... Yo, 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 don't be tripping. Tie your shoelaces. Stumbling in traffic will ruin your weekend. Yeah. Okay, guys, you know what? We're back, and it's funny that we're talking about all the trouble we've been having uh, in this episode because, you know what? We were having troubles with the internet some more, and so we, uh, yeah, what we're doing now is instead of talking over Skype, um, I'm talking to Earl over the phone. He's recording his end. I'm yes. recording my end. So if this fucking thing doesn't go out... Well, you know, the internet is not a truck, Rich. You can't just load it up. It's a, it's a series of tubes. But by that very... Right you know, but the thing is, is that all it needs is a little snaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to snake your interwebs. 
I'm Podcasting's Rich Sigfret, and I'm here to snake your tubes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a snake big enough to handle your tubes. Oh, yeah. That's All right. right. I'm not a size queen, but I play one on television. I'm with you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so basically, okay, so this is, okay, this is, for an internet radio show, for two people who are as well-versed in audio recording and technology and the internet, I am dumb-fucking-founded is probably the best phrase I could come up with. Dumb-fucking-founded as to how we could possibly have this much difficulty with the internet. You know, I'm really beginning to think that actually they were right and perhaps the internet is, is indeed a series of tubes. You know, I, I made this phone call to you last Monday. It's just now getting here today. <laughs> Are you from the past? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have flying cars, Rich, Rich, Rich? rich, rich? <laughs> How about now, 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 now? How about now? How about now, now, now? Exactly. Yes, and I too can see Russia from my house thanks to Google Maps. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm really feeling that this episode is essentially, if the inter internet is a series of tubes, that we are the fucking turtle. And we are waiting for Mario to punch the ground up from underneath us. Literally, yeah, I literally, that's how I felt most of today trying to get this thing done, is I just was waiting for a fat Italian man to punch me in the face. <laughs> that's how it felt all today. It was just like, <laughs> son of a bitch, just punch me. God, here's your fucking mushroom. I hope you choke on it, you high bastard. You know what? And I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, our, our previous attempts at the show, they, they have, uh, at this episode, have been somewhat lackluster. Now that we've Very actually got some fire yes. back, it's like, yeah. It's like, What's now we've got something bitches? to be angry about. Just like the Republicans. No, anyway. Oh, uh, wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was saying that because I thought my computer was freezing up there for a second. It's like, no, what? We can only be angry, but when it's cute. I can only do it when it's funny, <laughs> because the computer's still pissed at us. Exactly. But yeah, dude, totally. This has been, this has been seriously the most frustrating. Like, we have put out 50 episodes, or 49. We've put out 49 episodes, and for some reason, this episode has been the 28-hour delivery, you know, sitting there with a head the size of a cantaloupe, trying to push it out through our creative vagina. <laughs> <laughs> The cr what is it with Top you? that, Rich Siegfried. What is it with <laughs> you and taking very sexual terms, slapping the word creative in front of it, and you're That's rolling exactly with right. that? Before Stranger Things was the creative orgasm, and now the creative vagina. What well, is I'm next, sorry, Earl? But my creative vagina is sore right now, okay? <laughs> the creative source of all my life is sore, all right? Because we have just been beating the shit out of it. Oh, with God. technology, with science. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a t-shirt, Rich. <laughs> Beat your creative vagina with science. And just let people try and figure out what the fuck that means. Shh, we're doing science. Don't you ever hate it when you were a teenager and your mom would walk in on you in the bathroom when you were doing science? Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when I would be doing science double-ended. That was really disturbing. Whoa. It's always uncomfortable right. when your girlfriend walks in on you doing science, too. <laughs> Wait, I thought you and science were just friends. <laughs> Actually, I consider myself a lover of science. Uh, <laughs> well, I've done science way, at least three or four times today. Dude, that's actually that that's totally ripped from an explosive comic. Have you never read uh, Cyanide and Happiness? Have you ever read that comic? The no. comic? Explosum.net. E-X-P-L-O-S-M.net. 
they do this incredibly dark, horrible little webcomic. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones, I used to have it in my apartment, uh, it said... Uh, it's, it's this guy saying, I, I consider myself a lover of science. And then this this other gentleman with him says, I too consider myself a lover of science. And the guy takes the science book he's been reading, throws it at the second guy and goes, she's mine, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yes, this is none, needless to say, it's been a difficult, a difficult, difficult episode to get out. And I, feel, I, I free all of you to use that phrase in your own life. You know, if, for example, if Dr. John Smarr of course, I think if Dr. John Smarr had a very difficult time at the hospital and he comes home and tells his wife uh, that, you know, I had such a difficult time getting something out of my medical vagina today, like, <laughs> I think that would really mean something else. Like, she'd sort of be like, what are you not telling me? Or what's going on at the office that I don't know about? Because once you add the term medical to vagina, it takes on a level of seriousness you are just not ready to to, to handle. Although, in all fairness, it's probably a regular phrase in his household. I mean, you think about it. He is a doctor of syphilis. He is is a syphologist. You didn't know that? She's like, I told you, don't bring work home, honey. Don't bring work (laughs) home. Hi, um, I'm going to need to go back to my pant later. Um, Can you just... You pay me now. So. <laughs> exactly. See, see, here's the thing. I would, what I would love to see is I would love to see a movie that would basically be like Lethal Weapon. I want you to take the plot, take the characters of Lethal Weapon. Okay. Only instead of being cops, they're both gynecologists. Can you just imagine that? You could totally see him like elbows up inside some old lady's <laughs> vagina, just being like, "I'm tired of this shit." And then there's the one dude that like has seen too many vaginas and he's crazy and he wants to kill himself. And Mel Gibson would play that role today. I mean, he's looking for anything at this point. As long as there was nothing anti-Semitic in it, he'd be fine because he's just trying to get away from that, from what I understand. So I don't, I, I don't think you're doing science anymore. <laughs> That's not science. We're not science anymore actually you know I, I heard that he was actually court ordered he was court ordered to make another film and it's called passion of the christ 2 it wasn't really their fault i heard that i don't know if that's true but that's that's <laughs> the quickening the quickening <laughs> passion of the christ the quickening and you find out he wasn't actually the son of god but an alien from another one and there wasn't just one there was a bunch of them and then sean connery shows up and you're like wait i thought you're dead and it was really bad <laughs> Exactly. But then they did the renegade cut, and that is what actually makes up the New Testament today. Oh. That's right. Which is that. why Paul always sounds like Sean Connery in all of his testimonials, huh? huh. It makes sense. He's always talking about smacking sense. Mary Magdalene. Yeah. <laughs> and he shot her on her ash. Yes, I know. I've, I've read all the books. Totally. I've read all the books. I know. Mm-hmm. You know, that is something else, too. I feel really kind of sad for Christianity on one level, because it's like, nobody talks about the Bible the way they talk about, like, Harry Potter or Twilight. You know what I mean? Like, they're never like, oh my god, I just got done numbers, and it was awesome! I can't wait to start Deuteronomy! It's like, they don't do that. Well, although, in all fairness, um, the Bible has had about 2,000 years to really kind of work its way through. And I think people were like that at first, but that was because they were thinking, Hey, there really is magic in the book. You know, so I think at the time they did now, not as much. I think most people now are just kind of like, I'll wait for the movie. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. And the enhanced Mel Gibson is is sort of like the messiah of their hopes right there. He is the final deliverance of everything that, that they were hoping for. Although you they might also have been like this will you know, they're opening up and like, this will be good till Harry Potter shows up. <laughs> da, 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 da. Boy, that would piss Christians off. It is hmm? funny that you mentioned that uh you think that that was the deliverance, the final deliverance, because I would say deliverance is the perfect metaphor for what uh Mel Gibson has done to his career. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Can you squeal for me? Can you squeal, Riggs? I, squeal for me. Squeal. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> no, poor. Hey. Um. <laughs> I don't know, dude. After Lethal Weapon 12, when they did the Christmas special one. Oh, the one I was with just Christmas like, no, nah, forget yeah. that. When, when they're all they're all celebrating Christmas on Kashyyyk with Chewbacca and Han Solo. By the way, if, if for anyone who has not yet seen the Star Wars Christmas special, <laughs> if you ever want to see Harrison Ford at his most, like, maquette-ish, like, the most, like, a puppet, like, just, like, sort of brain-dead and praying for death, like, if you watch the Christmas special, it will make you, uh, it will make you support uh, uh, assisted suicide, because you are just... You, you just watch that whole movie and wish someone would kill Harrison Ford, because you know he doesn't deserve that. Like... Sadly, Carrie Fisher and Her- and Mark Hamill, yes, you know they they look all too much at home. <laughs> yeah, a bit <laughs> in that movie. A bit. Harrison Ford looks really confused. He he really he, he looks exactly. He looks like he's practicing his role for regarding Henry when he forgot who he was and he's sort of like confused and scared and really not sure what to do. I mean, that's really what it felt like to me. It was method acting. It was totally method but, acting. That's, that, basically, I bet that's what he was doing when he was doing Regarding Henry, is he just kept imagining himself on the set of the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, but you, you really have to look at uh, the, kingdom and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I honestly think that that was Harrison Ford. See, I like to actually call that the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull fuck. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. But see, I was thinking that Harrison Ford was actually uh, CG, like Jar Jar. Like like George Lucas originally spent a, like a hundred thousand dollars on a Harrison Ford suit, and then he didn't need it, so he wasted the money on. So you're telling me that I spent a hundred thousand dollars on a suit that we can't use, and then he just CG'd Harrison Ford in the rest of the movie. That makes total sense. That makes complete sense. Actually, I think it, at times they may have taken footage from Regarding Henry, used CG to make him look older, and change his clothes, and then put it in <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Why they didn't actually just create a new Harrison Ford at that point, I'm not sure. I think they were more just getting off on the idea of treating Harrison Ford like an enormous Ken doll. Yeah, <laughs> which Lucas kind of has over the years, sadly enough. He, he actually has. Harrison Ford has become George Lucas's personal Ken doll. Like, you know, somewhere late at night, he just sort of turns Harrison Ford upside down and takes off all his clothes and laughs at his lack of genitalia. Oh! Him and Flockhart together. Um, but, uh... <laughs> wait, wait, that was Callista Flockhart? I thought that was the Crypt Keeper that he was dating. Oh, I... <laughs> Hello, kiddies! Hey, Come to bed, Indy. Uh... <laughs> I was great in Midsummer Night's Dream. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> now that was scary. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling a little horny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I don't think I'm going to have an erection for another 15 seconds at least. <laughs> that was horrible. Oh, Would it have been better if I'd done the Skeletor from, uh, <laughs> from Robot oh, Chicken? Do it. Can you do the Skeletor? Yeah. My appointment isn't until next Tuesday. <laughs> what? 
You know, My when, appointment isn't what? When Molar, the attorney and dentist, shows up. You know, I'm a walking freaking skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yes, these, these are all some interesting facts that you're going to learn on our 50th episode here, kids. Exactly. Although, although I really wish I had something to say because I've been working on a Adam from Eternia. You know, the... The, the the you can do ad, you can do basically anything that um oh shit and then the, and the guy's name is just escaping me. But, uh, the guy who played the live action version of the tick no <laughs> wait patrick warburton he didn't anything patrick warburton would say you could say is adam from attorney because that's about his intelligence level is what I think. <laughs> like the character that patrick warburton always plays that's how i see adam from attorney mm, fair enough yeah. that's how I, by the way i got to see the first episode of the live action tick on hulu.com the other day yeah it's good isn't it i had never gotten to see it freaking brilliant i, like, I was i was show. so disdainful I was so like, this is a stupid ass idea. I mean, it's low budget. There's no kidding. You can see like every scene when they're trying to hide the fact that they have no money. Mm-hmm. But it is funny as hell. It is really good. If you can find it, grab it. Hulu.com, I think, is where they're doing it. And it is sharp. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's got such amazing writing. You can actually sit there and listen to the dialogue without having any of the visuals. That's what they realized after the first season. They're like, we should have done this as a radio show, clearly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could have done an old-time radio drama. Yeah, this would have been fantastic. Just like fantastic Mr. Adventure. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. And, and you know what? Uh, another good show that is in the very much the same vein, of course, we've mentioned it before on the show, is The Middleman, which I've always said it's kind of like if um, Kevin Smith was writing The Tick. You know, oh, in that yeah. genre, but uh, but the tick is hilarious. Uh, it has a few in references to other superhero things, but you don't have to have read the comics to watch the show. Um, I think the show came out in like two thousand three, maybe um, maybe a little bit earlier, and it's got Patrick Warburton, Liz Vassy. Oh, who's the guy who played Batman? Well, I can never remember his name. He was in the. I Bat- don't know, but he's freaking hilarious. Batman. Well, yeah, he was in the Dark Knight as who as the mayor. No shit. Uh huh. And so every time I saw him come on this the screen, I was like, "Batman, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome." And of course, uh, one of my other favorite lines from his character, which I know a lot of fans were pissed off because you know, in in the comic and in the cartoon, he was known as Deflator Mouse. But you have to admit, you know, changing him from German to Hispanic and calling him Batman, well. It's- Fucking genius. But my favorite line, because he's always trying to hook up with chicks, is uh, Arthur's sister in the intervention episode um, comes by and he's like, Hey, Arthur, do you mind if I ask your sister out? And Arthur's like, No, man, she's married and has kids. He's like, Ah, yes. I thought I recognized that scent. Batman Wells' only weakness, they suck out her mommy. And and you're just like, What? But it's perfect. And in the first episode, when he goes up, when the tick is leaving, he's heading towards the city. He's leaving the bus stop that he's been guarding. That he's been protecting, exactly. He goes to some kid, just puts his hand on his shoulder and says, You know, there's something that I've really got to tell you. The hubcap wasn't magic. The magic was inside (laughs) you the entire time. And then just walks off. (laughs) And you're you're just like, what? I don't I love that because I was like... (laughs) What the, I mean, like clearly, the, like you feel like you just missed a whole other movie. That that was like a really key part of. But the sad thing is, that may have been the first time that kid was at that bus stop. He may have kicked <laughs> a, a hubcap that was laying on the ground, and the tick automatically put those together. 
you know. <laughs> but uh, the the show, I mean, it really is amazing. Matter of fact, when I first got the DVDs, this was before podcasting was around. I ripped the audio from those CDs and I brought them into work just to hear the dialogue because the writing oh was God. so good. And like I said, you don't need the visuals for it. It's very much like I'd done, uh, thanks to uh, Nathan Butler from Chrono Radio, the the guy that got me into doing uh, audio on the internet. Right. He ripped uh, copies of Sports Night, but he only ripped the audio and oh, sent it to clever. me. And, and it's, the, again, another show where the writing is just that damn good. But yeah, the tick, the tick is on Hulu, huh? The tick, there's some pieces of it. I think I found it through IMDb. Like, like it was a Hulu mm-hmm. link from IMDb because I was just sort of palling around. Really? All kinds of stuff. Yeah, the IMDb does support that stuff now. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, but the, the, the tick is phenomenal. Um, also, the middleman. Gosh, I was talking to somebody um, really recently who had, uh, I think it was Jack Mangan from the Deadpan podcast yes uh jack mangan's deadpan or whatever the fuck it's called um they uh he had not brain pan that would make a great zombie cast by the way jack if you're thinking about doing it that would be what you need to do yeah jack mangan's brain pan brain pan Hmm. yeah because that's what they call the 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 case that holds your brain well that's what i've heard you know what there's only one person laughing at that right now and it's dr john smar He's like, that is fucking hilarious. Everyone else is You know, I'm really kind of surprised that uh, his laugh isn't a lot like George Takei's. It's not? No, because uh, John has, you know, he has a very hearty laugh. He has a very funny laugh. But you'd still picture it would be very much like the Sulu, the ah, 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 ah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Because John Smar has that deep voice. And you would just picture him laughing, ah, 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 ah. You know he's going to have that mastered by the time you see him next. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's doing an impression of me doing an impression of him. That is why Smar rocked, yes. In fact, Smar rocked so hard, I actually named the character after him in my new script. Oh, very nice. I think we should get shirts that say Smar equals meta. Why? Because if he shows up doing an impression of me doing an impression of him, that oh, doesn't actually shirt. exist. Yes. <laughs> like that, that's, that's like seven layers of meta right there. Right there, we just cut out ninety percent of the audience. They have no idea. It would be great. <laughs> although it would be I do the like ultimate niche joke. Although I do uh, enjoy having a smar off whenever we're around you each have other. A smar because, off? So yeah, more yeah, because yes. <laughs> really, I I think my favorite part about doing this show is whenever you're like right in mid setup, and I just fucking cut your lip. Like you just start. I I break you like right there. <laughs> that is my favorite. Like when you're in the middle of a joke and I'm just like bang and you start laughing, that is my favorite time of the whole show. Like I don't care if I get anything else funny. If I can just make you laugh like right before you're about to do something, and you're just like, you son of a bitch! I'm looking as soon as I stop laughing, I'll kill you. I will. I will drop a premise to laugh at something like that, even if yes. it's that fucking cheesy, Earl. Oh, it was horrible. I'm not going to say it's great, but you know, I mean, you laugh. So who's who's to blame? Who's more the fool? The fool exactly. or the fool who continues to see the prequels again and again. Uh, I want to get serious. All right. For a moment. Seriously. Kids out there, learn the lesson that all of us older geeks had to learn the hard way. Mm. Stop tithing to the Church of Lucas. <laughs> the first Star Wars movie may have been great. Nay, legendary. But let's face it. The Drek that is coming out now is a mere shadow. You know, actually, let me put it this way. All right. 
Star Wars truly is the story of Darth Vader. But we're talking about the uh, original series. Here, 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 Follow my line of thinking here. I follow. The, the Star Wars movie, you see it. You see Vader. He's the baddest brother in the galaxy. He's got the deep James Earl Jones voice. You're thinking, you know what? There's no other black people in the Star Wars universe except <laughs> this man. Nor neither does there truly need to be yet. <laughs> Empire. Oh my god! Enter Empire. You get the smoothest black man in the galaxy, Billy D. Williams. So already we've got Darth Vader with that voice. Clearly, got to be a brother in that suit. Clearly, and then we get Billy D. Williams. So I mean, it's just so smooth. You know what? I, I think uh, if there had been any civil rights um, activism necessary, that would have silenced it. They would have been like, but that really, would have. If you think about it, then really. The original Star Wars series is just about black people kicking white people's asses. That is true. You got, you know, of course, you know George, uh, you've, George Lucas. You've got, uh, you've got Michael Luke Jordan in that, Arian in that poster fantastic boy. scene <laughs> when he slam dunked the Death Star. That was uh, Space Jam. Yes, I'm oh, sorry. That's right. I'm sorry about it. No, but think about it. So Darth Vader and the Empire. Okay. First, Darth Vader kills Obi Wan Kenobi in the first one, mm-hmm. kicking the man down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Come back in the second one. Totally kicking the the rebellion's ass on Hoth again, beating the man down. Okay, now you come to the third one. Now that we find out, oh my God, the emperor's actually white. What happens to the emperor? The black man throws him down a hole, and then the only person who can beat him is half black himself. Getting back to my premise. <laughs> <laughs> so then we. The movies are done. Let's now uh, go back to the prequel era movies. All right. Yes. The prequel era movies are totally encapsulated in the Revenge of the or the Return of the Jedi Darth Vader storyline. Yes. Whereas he's not sure if he wants to be bad, he wants to be good, doesn't really know where he stands in everything. We see a lot of turmoil. He's not that ass kicking brother that we thought. And then when they pull off the mask, what do you get? Illusions shattered, crusty old white man. Yes. So the entire time we're thinking smooth brother, that's what we get with the original trilogy, and then in that last ten minutes of Return of the Jedi is the perfect encapsulation of the original tri- of the uh, the prequel trilogy, which is illusion shattered, crusty old white man. Sir, you know what you have just done. Hmm? You don't even realize it, but you have revealed to me what the whole six Star Wars movies really are about. And what is that besides gentrification? No, they are really about, they're actually a, a thinly, a thinly, it's a shallowly, thinly veiled, I can't believe I didn't see it before, it's a thinly veiled metaphor for the life of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Child star, <laughs> rises to fame, <laughs> changes his whole appearance, <laughs> and what's the first thing he does as soon when, as he gets when, to power? Oh, oh no, no, no. He abuses no, his, small children. Hold, hold on, hold on. His, um... Excuse me, his whole I mean, like, you should have just had him walking up and be like, I just killed some younglings. Oh, my God. But it was all about love. <laughs> but no, 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 no. There's a whole other aspect to this that you're forgetting. Uh, why did Vader change his look? Because Thank his you. body caught fire. When did Michael Jackson's <laughs> look start to change? Pep- the Pepsi commercial where his head caught fire. Okay, and another reason, another reason, ready? Uh-huh. At the end of Return of the Jedi, what happens? 
Darth Vader looks black, but deep down, he's really white. Exactly. Yep. That, kids, that is your lesson for today. <laughs> Darth Vader, actually Michael Jackson. Now please listen wow. to these messages. Yo, 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 where my dogs at? Pounds are overcrowded these days. Please make sure to spay and neuter your pets. Yeah. I'm crazy like a runaway ace at the zoo. The next guy that we've got on now is hailing all the way from the land of Deadpanville. We have the Deadpan master himself, Jack Mangan. Thanks for thanks for being on the anniversary show, man. Hey, it's my pleasure. And thanks. Actually, I'm the mayor of Deadpanville. Oh, the I mayor. Think, well, so. congratulations. You know what? Actually, since you mentioned that, uh, what else has been going on since you were last on the show? Oh uh, well, I've basically Deadpan crossed 100 episodes and that was actually a fan generated episode you know listener generated episode i should say and that was really an honor it was really great um as far as me i've got a bunch of things in the works i've got a lot of um new fiction projects that will be kind of bubbling out and surfacing here and there and also some music stuff is uh, is, hap- is going on so it's kind of an exciting time for me when can we expect spherical tomy to the quickening <laughs> Um, and contact with Mario Van Peebles. I'm trying to uh, work that out with him, but uh, it will, it will, it will come. It will. It, it's in the works. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, that is really cool. I know you can't say uh, any anything more on that, but Jack, I, you know, uh, all I really have to say about all that wonderful things that are going on is you're welcome. Welcome for what? I mean, I was only on. I only did like a six second promo for you. I mean, what what the hell? Yo, 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 better recognize! Using someone's first name while speaking to them makes them feel important to you. Yeah. Hey guys, I've got a special treat here. It's Nobilis. Now, if you're not familiar with him, this guy is uh, probably somebody who has had more people touch themselves while listening to his podcast. So how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, so what have you been up to? What uh, Since last you were on, Like, what kind of crazy awesome things have been going on? Well, I'm kind of getting started planning for my 100th episode of Nobilis Erotica, nobilis.libsen.com. And I'm, um, I'm in the process of writing my first full-length novel. It's up to about 46,000 words right now. I'm really proud of that because so far I haven't been able to really push anything beyond the novella length. And, uh, um, and I'm starting an audio drama which uh, I don't know why I'm so crazy to be writing two long-term projects at once, but there you go. Uh, and just generally kind of getting ready for the holidays. Well, sir, I've got two words for you. You're welcome. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I don't think I've ever been on the Roto before. Hi, I'm podcasting's Rich Sigfred. I leave comments in iTunes because I care about podcast Americans. Now is your chance to comment on the state of America in the upcoming election. Make a stand. Make your choice. Make me president. 
It's time to hope for a change for our country first. I've been podcasting's Rich Siegfried. Vote for me in 2008. Outcastmultimedia.com slash PRS for Prez. Now on the line is Paul Fisher. Now this guy, he's all over the freaking podosphere. I mean, he's the one that brings all of the podcasters to the coolest con around a Balticon, which is probably one of the grooviest, most uh, intimate kind of environments at a con where you're around the big names in podcasting and you can just kind of hang with them and talk with them and stuff. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great tonight, Rich. How are you doing? Oh, not too shabby. Now, keep in mind, this is for the 50th episode of Roto. And I uh, would just like to know, how have you been doing since you were last on? Oh, wow. My life has been turned upside down. We just had uh, a little baby girl, and uh, it looks like uh, I'm going to be able to uh, realize one of my uh, one of my life goals through my job, uh, which, uh, honestly, I can't give any details about um, because I'm not allowed to, but it's really freaking cool. Everything's just absolutely fantastic. Paul? Yes? Your, wait for it, welcome. What? But you didn't have anything to do with it. Yo, 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 I'm all up in your grill. Have you thought about switching to natural gas versus electric? It cooks your meat faster. Yeah. I'm crazy like a runaway agent. And because you think, what, as soon as he rose to power, he go, goes and abuses younglings. Exactly. The first the thing that he did. thing he started doing. Jesus Christ. You killed younglings? <laughs> no, we just laid in bed together and told stories of magical lands. <laughs> and then I'd let them touch my lightsaber. Oh, hey. Oh, shit. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Sorry, you caught us mid-conversation. Have some more Yoda juice, kids. Uh. <laughs> I want to show Yoda a different trick. <laughs> That's just wrong. Like, truly, I don't know if I can go back and watch the Star Wars movies anymore. Because all I'm going to be seeing is, like, Michael Jackson in the Darth Vader suit with all the stormtroopers doing the dance sequence from Thriller. <laughs> That's all I'm going to see. <laughs> dude, it is too bad. It is so long between cons right now. Oh, dude, it would be just like this. It would be like, doom, 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 doom. That's exactly right. Obi Wan, you've got to die. You're ignorant. You just ignorant, ignorant. You know the the worst part is is that we're so far in between cons because I would get a bunch of five hundred firsters to do the fucking and record it and send it to you. From the writer and producer of Thesis A Fantasy. From the mind and voice behind The Adventures of Indiana Jim comes a new tale from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, codename Starkeeper. So you're Starkeeper, eh? Courier of sensitive cargo, known in circles both savory and unsavory, has a hundred aliases and assumed names with transponder codes to match, intergalactic man of mystery. You're shorter than I expected. What's your name? Arborn Zell. Don't give me that look, Morgan. I guess they told you my uncle was dead. That figures. 
You don't want to get too close to me. And why is that, Flyboy? How touch <gasps> Zell! The answer is simple, miss. Because he's liable to get you killed. Now give me the data card, or I'll take you and your ship with me. It ends now. What are you doing on my ship? Uh-uh-uh. I have the badge. I ask the questions. What are you doing in Curtin Law's personal files? It's a story of a galactic conspiracy. So what you're telling me is that this dark Jedi assassinated three members of the Corellian Council, and everyone is engaged in a massive cover-up? Corsac, this is Horn. I need a unit to... Ah! The Dorn Hanger! Taking fire! Oh, no, you don't! Stop! Blast! Be advised, suspect fleeing in a Sinar ship. Looks like a Lone Scout A modified. It's a story worthy of the name Star Wars. There is much you do not know, my young apprentice. Why do I suddenly have a very bad feeling about this? Sispawn, he's speeding up. What? The filtration plan. He's not gonna... No! You still have great value to my employer. Luckily, he won't mind if I break you myself first. And only will the huts take the blame, but the entire galaxy will fall into chaos. Star Wars, codename Starkeeper. Available September 6th at podcast.indianagym.net. You know, a lot of people know that I got my start in Star Wars fan audio. Uh, Record Me the Outcast, of course, you know, it's in its original iteration, was all about reviewing Star Wars fan audio. Well, I thought that this is the perfect opportunity to bring a good friend of mine on the show, um, somebody that I can use as a name to drop, and that is Indiana Jim. Hello. The, the main reason why I wanted to bring him on, and I'm kind of throwing him off here because he was actually asking me this question and I told him to wait and ask me when we're actually interviewing, but I'm just going to throw it out there now. Ask yourself. <laughs> you know, Rich, why did you bring Indiana Jim on the show? Well, you know what, Rich, I'll tell you. I wanted to bring you on, Jim, because... It, as I said, Roto originally started off as a Star Wars fan audio show, and it, it, it was perfect because we have transitioned to uh, to independent reviews uh, of projects online, and then Earl and I, you know, we, we kind of shifted our focus to just being funny. Mm-hmm. But Jim, you happen to be somebody who is, to a certain degree, revolutionizing Star Wars fan audio. Star Wars fan audio has been a very... Uh, insulated community for a very long time not a lot of people are able to break out of that uh that mold and either go on to other things or they always kind of come back because it is a very familial group you know everybody kind of supports each other takes care of each other but you instead of drawing just from the star wars fan audio community and you knew they existed you were a part of it before Mm -hmm. but you actually sought out more mainstream voices in podcasting and that has brought a lot of attention back to Star Wars fan audio so I'd like to ask you kind of you know why you made that decision well you know I really thought you know I had this pool that I could draw from you know I I'd heard all of of the podcasts and audiobooks out there uh, that used the cast uh, format, you know, uh, Bilba Battings, Chasing the Bard, uh, PG Holyfield's you know, Murdered Abaddon Hill, those kinds of things. And I knew the voices that I liked. And so as these roles came up, you know, I didn't know a lot of the people that provide voices in the fan works community. Uh, but I also knew 
that there were very few that had a quick turnaround. So, you know, I, I did have some auditions for some voices as, as they typically, you know, post auditions on the board and then you pick from the best or whatever. But I also had particular people in mind like Philippa Ballantyne, Christopher Walker, who's a FanWorks voice actor, uh, Chris Dickey of the Stealth Geek, some of these people who I was friends with. Uh, and I did sort of want to bridge that gap between the, the mainstream podcasting world and sort of the fan audio drama uh, community. But I also wanted to make it the best it could be. And so I drew from voices that I had experience with, and I also wanted to draw on the podcasting community for cameo appearances, which you were the first one. T. Morris was in there, Scott Sabler and J.C. Hutchins, P.G. Holyfield, Chris Lester, Billy Flynn, the vicar. I mean, I've got all kinds of uh, cameos included in there as well. So I just felt like I know who is reliable and I know whose voices I like. And so I just wanted to sort of bridge both communities because obviously the the fan audio, you can't really say genre, but sort of that that portion of the creative audio. Oh, I would uh, definitely say genre. I mean, just as we have horror and mystery and, well, you know, and it, comedy and stuff. Yeah, I think, no, I think genre is a viable term. Well, it qualifies as science fiction if you want to use a broad genre, but I guess just that particular form, you know, the fan, it, you know, it's not original. It's not something we can get paid for. You know, it's just for fun. Uh, and I also felt like the Star Wars thing had gotten short shrift for a long time because of the prequels and a lot of the criticism out there about it. So I wanted to do something that was fun and something that I felt was a good enough quality to maybe make people realize, you know, there's still stories to be told in the Star Wars universe. Well, I think everybody's always thought there were stories to be told in the Star Wars universe. We just would like George Lucas to stop. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm I'm doing this just as much for the people who are casual Star Wars fans as I am doing it for the major geeks. So I need I wanted to make sure that I had researched everything. And so, you know, uh, people like Dirk Harkness, he comes he comes in later. He you know, he's from a a role-playing game by uh Peter, you know, Peter Schweighoffer. He's one of his characters. And uh the planet Morgia, you know, there it was, you know, it's an agrarian planet. It's uh you know, it has a special forces training facility. For the Imperials. I'm Dirk Harkness, Star Wars porn star. <laughs> uh, oh, you gotta admit, I am Dirk not. Harkness. Wanna <laughs> see my lightsaber? Um, <laughs> only you, Rich, only you. You mentioned uh, Pip earlier, Philippa Ballantyne, and mm -hmm. I do have another question for her because her character works for Corsac, correct? Yes. Corellian Security. Now, I think that you violated, and there's actually two places where I think that you violated Star Wars canon. Okay. She has an accent. Clearly, she's evil. <laughs> right. Forgot. And uh, and also, have you gotten any backlash from the Star Trek-style replicators that you're throwing in the Star Wars universe? Mm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get the reference, Rich. Uh, let's hear. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was episode three when the uh, bounty hunter has a meeting with with an Imperial officer, and he says, well, I've been working on something, and uh, it's a computer that can make any kind of drink that I've programmed in. Oh, oh, okay. And the guy even says, computer, make yep. this guy a drink. So, you know what, buddy? I think you might be breaking it down. Well, you know, since you haven't got there yet, I'll, I'll go ahead and clue you in since the episodes are, are released. Of course, the cell number that... Uh, uh, Stark and his buddy uh, are kept in is uh, cell number 1701D. Oh, wait, you did throw a 1138 in there. Yes, I did that too. 
Oh, but see, I haven't gotten that far yet. I like that thrown in the uh, sort. Actually, that's one thing that you've been doing is you've really been uh, kind of bridging various genres. Uh, even with the music, you've got the Indiana Jones music playing in the background, which I, I recognized before you had the guy call in the feedback. <laughs> Who did the audio mix? I did all the voices and all the music. Uh, my, my buddy Joe Harrison, who who is one of the Star Wars FanWorks people, he did uh, High Stakes. Uh, he's going to be doing Crusade of the Rebellion. You know, he's got he's got a few out there, a few things out there. He did all the sound effects because when I was listening to his stuff, I was just struck by how good he was mm. with those. And so, you know, uh, when when I went into it, I did the the voices and the music, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to do as much as he does on the sound effects. So I asked him to to come along and help me out with that. Yeah, because I got to say, wow the the music the music mix. I mean, the sound effects are astounding. Yeah, the layering of sound effects, like for me, is really easy. the The music is something that I've always uh, particularly had a problem with was finding mm-hmm. the right tones for each scene. And you yeah. have done that amazingly well. Like I said, even branching off uh, into like in, using uh, other John Williams scores. Right. Um, and and I've got a man. I got to give you mad props. That that sounds amazing. There, thank you. You know, I've been kind of uh, not big on star on on a lot of the Star Wars fan audio anymore. I think because I got burned out on it. Yeah. But I got excited again by oh, listening cool. to Starkeeper. You know, it it reminded me of when I first started and how much I loved the Star Wars fan audios, and I download every one that I could find. And, <laughs> Yeah. You even had a hand in making quite a few and whatnot, not just via voice, but in editing. And yeah. it, it really, it did for me what Star Wars does for a lot of people and just kind of reminds you of a time uh, when you were younger. Yeah. And that but, that is about the highest praise that I can really give for somebody who's been yeah. as jaded as I am on Star Wars <laughs> to, uh, to be excited about it again and, you know, violating a few corporate policies to get the next few episodes so I could listen to them at work. <laughs> awesome. That, that's that's really cool. And and I really, you know, that's that's what I'm going for, because this is this is all about having fun, you know, and. I certainly take a special pride in the music because I was a music major in college. Um, I, I ate up Williams scores as well as others, uh, like it was, you know, candy. Um, and, and I have, I have a hard and fast rule. My first rule is music either. It has to come from some, from the star Wars films or some selections are actually from the clone wars movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Or if it's from uh, like Indiana Jones, it's still a Lucasfilm thing. So, you know, I have a hard and fast fast rule about that, but for myself. But, you know, it's interesting as I'm going through, you know, I'm just finding, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but John Williams either composes in C or G pretty much. That those are his, or he does, you know, something in the relative minor keys because that enables him to keep things, you know, kind of keep that continuity. So when he takes something like the Imperial March, he turns it upside down, he puts it in a major key, and you have Anakin's theme from episode one. So when I take stuff like when I go from uh, Space Battle Q to Return of the Jedi in Act 2, and it goes immediately into uh, Escape from Venice from The Last Crusade, um, you know, it, it blends well because it's all pretty much similar tones. And so, and in particular, I took the um, Escape from Venice because at the end of the queue, it goes into the Grail theme, which I thought was a 
you know, uh, would be a good choice as my sort of quote unquote man, you know, intergalactic man of mystery theme. So mm-hmm. whenever Stark does something that's unique to his character, that's a, a good theme that a lot of people won't recognize. You know, a lot of geeks will, but mo- the majority of people won't really know what that is. It'll sound familiar, you know, but they won't really know right offhand, oh, it's Indiana Jones. You know, I don't use the Raiders March, say, in this thing. Right. Because it's far more recognizable and it evokes a different, uh, different image. But a lot of William's stuff is so similar that it fits. And I've just been, you know, there's been some parts where, you know, a lot of cues don't work. A lot of people will take one cue. They'll say, okay, how long is my scene? They'll look at the, the, the length of the cues and say, okay, this one fits the length perfectly, and you plug it in. Well, you know, you might have scenes with Imperials in there, and there's no Imperial March. You might have scenes, uh, you know, different kinds of scenes that just don't fit the music that's playing. And so what's been unique is I'm finding cues... And I'm editing my, I'm editing the, the scene and dialogue so that it fits when you know something dramatic happens. There's an, a change in the music, mm-hmm. so I try very hard. And I sometimes I go through you know, all three of the original Star Wars films before I find something I like or you know something that fits. I've changed stuff. I've, uh, in particular, took one portion of a cue where it was Han Solo and the princess, and another cue that was Yoda's theme. I pitched one up and I pitched the other one down so that they match, so that the last note of the one cue would match the first note of the other one. Wow. And so, and, and <laughs> Act 7, which Joe is working on the sound effects right now, I think I had about six cues, six different cues that I pulled from for the space battle scene. And just finding places where they match, you know, where it goes from, from one scene from Empire into a scene from Return of the Jedi, where that very last note will match the same note as it fades into something different. And so, you know, I've been very diligent, you know, very geeky, I guess, in making sure that that fits because that's the one thing I take the most, uh, take the most pride in. As I said, you know, music is always one of the toughest things because it's either done right or it's done wrong. And there's a fine line in, uh, in doing that, which is one of the reasons why, you know, Mr. Adventure doesn't have any audio besides not really having music, but I I don't typically have the time, nor do I really have the ear for something like that. But I know if I have any major projects, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up (laughs) for doing the uh, the music mix because it really is astounding. Although I am really looking forward to the Howard the Duck theme showing up. (laughs) (laughs) No. Jim, I really appreciate you coming on Roto and kind of giving us a throwback to the old days of Star Wars. And man, I I have always been impressed with your writing. Uh, You are definitely an excellent writer. Uh, thesis of fantasy I thought was fantastic and Codename Starkeeper you have really outdone yourself and I think you've done a hell of a service to fan audio not just in getting attention drawn to the the genre a hell of a contribution you know well thank you Uh, tell us where it's at where people can go to listen to it okay you can go to podcast.indianagym.net and find uh, all the episodes there Uh, we're up through Act 6, and I've only skipped one week this last week to make sure I got Act 7 correctly, but it ran for six weeks straight, then there was a week off, and then uh, this Saturday we should be back on uh, Episode 7. And there's only two more episodes left, correct? 7 and 8, yeah, so it's almost complete. Uh, The next project that this leads into is uh, my first podcast novel, so... Ah. As soon as Starkeeper is done, I will be finishing the final edits on that book and starting to set it to pod, as it were. Indiana Jim, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.
Hello, I'm podcasting's Rich Sigfred. I do my part for global warming. Do you? Did you know the greatest cause in our planet's rising temperatures are the lack of pirates? You see, I was touched by the flying spaghetti monster's noodly appendage, and I now have a faith-based initiative to help. I've seen Mamma Mia 17 times, but not in the theater. Once I'm in office, I'll repeal the RIAA's laws against downloading copyrighted material. That way, you won't have to worry about being sued or arrested. And to show that I am serious about my stand against global temperature terrorism, I'll tell you about a recent conversation I had with a friend. Dude, why do you leave your fridge door open? What are you trying to do, cool down the whole world? Yes. Yes, I am. I do my part for global warming. Do you? I've been podcasting's Rich Sigfred. Vote for me in 2008. Outcastmultimedia.com slash PRS for Prez. In a time before... Oh, wait. <clears throat> Let me do this as smart. <clears throat> in a time before podcasting, one man heard a Star Wars internet radio show and figured, I can do that. The show has had many incarnations. Star Wars fandom, independent media reviews... Unadulterated comedy. Eh, I don't really like coming back from that now. <laughs> Actually, I'm really uh, fucking like astonished. Like I can't. That sounds exactly like smart. Like maybe it's just the phone, but my god, that I was like, oh my god, that's smart. Right? <laughs> that yeah, was it's, sharp it's, as hell. It's probably gonna suck because over the recording, because I, I found that some of my voices sound a lot better like live than they do once they're recorded. Probably because all the little imperfections are really brought forward. Mm. But uh, but anyway, look, uh, I do want to talk. Obviously, this is our fiftieth episode. Just want to run through some quick facts about about Roto that's been going on. We got okay. we got to juice this up, Rich. We can't do it just like this. So here's what we're gonna do. Okay, ready? Okay. okay. We have a series of facts. Okay. Okay. And some of these facts are real. Mm. And some of these facts are not real. Okay. And it's gonna be the listeners' decision to determine what is real and mm. what is not real. It's going to be reality of the outcast, and we're going to start ah. with those facts right now. So go ahead and give us our first fact, Rich. Go ahead. This show, which is celebrating its anniversary this month of October, came out on October 1st, 2003. Okay. And another fact. This show, currently its 50th episode, is undergoing a midlife crisis and will soon be starting to see other shows which are half its age. <laughs> We have actually had 64 episodes with various special editions and bits. This show actually qualifies for Social Security. There are over 63 hours, 22 minutes, and one second of Requiem of the Outcast goodness. And when I say over, I mean by only one second over. The average audience of Requiem of the Outcast listens to Requiem of the Outcast... For one second. And when I say one second, I mean not at all. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, shut up. I'm trying to keep it straight. Keep going. <laughs> I'm out of actual facts. All right, good. We have had over 272 guests. We have never had a guest come back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We have had 272 original guests. No. Um, 
No, okay, uh, I gotta come up with another one. Alright, ready? Exactly two people have died while doing Requiem of the Outcast. Sadly, that's that's actually a true fact. I know, that's so depressing. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, yeah. no! <laughs> not that! And the final yes. fact. Yes. There are over 790 megs worth of roto tastiness. That means between audio and video, there is almost an entire gig clogging the tubes. <laughs> I kind of have to go out on that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, we should actually let, let's give the actual actual facts. So right. honestly, and uh, what what kind of started that that as a bit was the fact that our anniversary was actually last month. It really was September. I just got the months mixed up. Um, we we actually <laughs> debuted in September first, two thousand three. Although I don't like to count that first episode because it was just me and it sucked. Um, let's see here. So we, we have ha- actually had 64 episodes, uh, between various special editions and whatnot. Uh, there are in fact 63 hours and 22 minutes and one second of Roto audio out there. That's not including any of the video files, whether it was some random silliness or some of the video updates that I've put out there. Right. Actually, we have no idea how many guests there have been on the show, but it's probably at least in the hundreds because we've gotten a lot of our random friends. We've called people. We've had, uh, you know, just, just all kinds of people on the show because, you know, we, we like to find somebody who's awesome that we can uh, joke around with and have a good time with. And so, exactly. you know, we've got quite a few people. Before we go, I can't we do, believe we got to... this close. I'm so pleased. Wait, sh- 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 you're going to jinx it. We want uh, to do a, uh, a feedback from Paul Fisher from one of our earlier episodes about which celebrity to eat. Oh, there we go. Guys, I'm listening to Roto right now. You missed the best celebrity to eat. Think about it. Veal is suspended off its feet, so its muscles atrophy and make the meat tender. Based on that, the celeb you really want to eat would be Christopher Reeve. He should be really tender, but he might have a medicine-y taste to him. Just a thought. Paul Fisher. Or a dead taste. Mm. Yeah, he, he might, like, be a little, might be a little gamey. Yeah, I was about to say, like the 30-second rule clearly does not apply. dude that's fucked up (laughs) wait wait does on does under the ground count as on the ground (laughs) i definitely think so my god which actually you know what i want to throw a halloween question out to you earl hit me do you feel that mummies are zombies do i feel that mummies are zombies yeah you know, I gotta say no, because, it, well, yes, but maybe it would be like a zombie with its master's degree, because they clearly have more, they want revenge, they don't want brains, so they ah. clearly have more going on in the world, they've got a plan, whereas zombies are sort of like the blue collar, they're the real America of the undead, if you will, ah. they're the ones that Sarah Palin is really trying to get in contact with, the pro-America <laughs> undead is who she really wants to touch base with. I can see so, Egypt from my house. i can see hell from my house it might be a little bit closer than she realizes oh my lord so the the, so essentially during the zombie apocalypse you would be racially profiling mummies i would be i will you know i'd actually be trying to get on the mummies good side i would look at the mummies as um as sort of the people I might be able to, like, Uncle Tom to. So maybe they'd be like, well, maybe he's not so bad. So 
I would I would clearly cross racial lines to mm. save myself in the upcoming apocalypse. All right. Well, then would you be co-opting the term and changing its meaning, the word MILF? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hey guys, we had one other comment that we missed that I found after we got done recording the last episode. This comment is from Shadigatron9000. His comment was, Jesus, that was hilarious. Starting Monday, I'm going to listen to all the episodes in the same piss-stained jeans at that. I put a shout-out to you and Earl in the show notes of my latest episode. Thanks for the laughs. Have a neat summer. Keep in touch. Best friends forever. Love, Shadigatron9000. You can find his site at awesomeology.org. All right, man. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's do some, uh, do some shout outs and get the hell out of here. All right, do it. Uh, well, you know, honestly, uh, anniversary show, big deal, all that stuff. Um, I'd like to thank, uh, Nathan Butler, nasty Butler. Um, he nice. was kind of the guy that, uh, I know it's a callback to a show that doesn't exist on the internet anymore, really. Exactly right. But everybody's got to get their butler tossed. Exactly. <laughs> Boy, that well, just soured him. I'm so sorry. Well, you know, Mo Butler, he's, um, you know, he's, he's Mo he's Butler, kind Mo of Butler, Mo time. Butler. <laughs> um, you know, uh, he uh, he started StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Internet Fan Audio. Uh, basically, <laughs> you know, he has the, that pause, <laughs> just like I have the pause for Stranger Things, the home. A Star Wars fan audio. Uh, shit, brother. I've been doing that since it debuted in 2003. Who swiped That's it from who? They've got the home. <laughs> and I'd also like to give a big shout out to the uh, the, the folks that have been on the show. Um, I'd like to thank all of you, but to be honest, I couldn't be bothered with looking you all up. So I'm just going to say <laughs> it now. Uh, it's an amusing thought that you're still listening, but uh, I'll say it anyway. Thank you. You know, I'd really like to... I really like to thank the flying spaghetti monster because uh, through him, all things are possible. <laughs> How about you? Earl? All right. Well, if, I, if I'm, if I'm going to throw out thank yous, um, let's see. Uh, I would like to thank you, Rich, for putting up with me for my God, four years on this show. That's insane. Uh, since I add no uh, measurable value. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, I just, true. I just think, uh, uh, the people that email in and say how much they dig the little weird things that we come up with. That's, that's the people I'm going to thank. Cause that's kind of cool when you, cause we, you and I just sit around and BS and come up with, you know, like, you know, Michael Jackson is Darth Vader. These we're trying to change the world, Rich, one show at a time. We're trying exactly. to peel back the layers of, of falsehood that surround our society. We're trying to get to the core of what people are really trying to say. And what we're really trying to say, I guess, is, you know, hee <laughs> That's, in the end, what we're trying to say. So I would like to thank everyone who appreciates that. And honestly, I mean, I think it's our duty as podcast Americans. <laughs> so- <laughs> we are we are racially profiling ourselves right now. Exactly. You know, actually, I'm just amazed that this being our 50th episode, we did not drop ourselves and try and get together with far younger, uh, uh, more attractive podcasters. That was what blew my mind. The show isn't out yet. It's not too late, Earl. Goodbye. Click. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't released the show yet. That's or right. Have I? <laughs> the, interesting, the interesting thing, what you guys don't realize in terms of lateness, we, we this was actually our uh, 50th anniversary five years ago. <laughs> and we, it's just taken this long 
to pull it. We are literally our own mummies just being pulled out of the crypt of our own procrastination right there. <laughs> I wish we could say it's procrastination after this fucking episode finally getting oh out. Oh my god. Like literally I think I think there are no more uh demons in the tubes. We've cleared them all. They gathered at our house and we exterminated them. Uh, a mass execution style. There's a mass grave on our website where all the little trog doors in the tubes have been exterminated. So you guys can go ahead and have your little msnbc.coms and your little YouTubes and whatnot. We've cleared the way. So just just be thankful. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, in closing, I've really got to bring a quote from uh, a wonderful comedian, Chris Elliott, in yes. probably his greatest opus, Cabin Boy. These pipes are clean. <laughs> That's the outro line. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you got to call out the pipe cleaners. <laughs>